Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. My name is Matt Beatty. I'm uh, the downtown campus pastor and uh, excited to be here. Uh, And we are still in our series, Praying the Psalms. And if you notice the, the numbers up in the top corner there, Psalms 120 to 134 are the songs of ascent. The songs that Israel would sing together, would pray as they were making their way towards Jerusalem for the holy festivals. And today we are doing Psalm 134, which is the end. So we have reached the end. But fear not, we're going to do two more Psalms the next two weeks. Uh, Pastor Dave next week, and then I'll be back uh, two weeks from now. And... uh, just to wrap up the summer. But they're not part of the the songs of ascent. And these songs had this very specific purpose, which is to to bring the people of Israel together to go to Zion, to go to Jerusalem, to go to the place where God dwells, to say, all right, we are pilgrims on a journey, and we're journeying together. And So we've reached the end. So what do we do with that? You know, I don't know if you've seen in, like, movies. um, Sometimes, you know, like, the the bad guy will catch up with with the the good guys, and there'll be this, like, dialogue, and and the the hero or the good guy will say, well, um, do what you came here to do. You know? Like... You're going to kill me or whatever it is. Just do what you came here to do. No more dilly-dallying. Let's get this over with. And do what you came here to do is basically, in my view, the theme of this psalm. And it is very short. So I want to invite you to stand, and we will uh, read this together from the screens. This is Psalm 134 in the, in the ESV translation. So join me. Come, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. You may be seated. These are the words of the Lord. So, what is the theme of this, this psalm? If anyone wants to like shout that out, any Any repetition that we hear, come and bless, praise. The NIV says, praise the Lord. I like bless. And so let's do that. Let's come, bless the Lord. Here we've arrived. Come, bless the Lord. You know, as I was reflecting on this and thinking about how do we approach this psalm, which is so simple. And, and doesn't seem to have much context for it. We have to put in context what these people are doing. They have gone on a journey. We are joining them during this series on a journey to God, a journey to say we want to walk with Jesus. We want to join God. And I think there is this theme of not losing focus. Now, If occasionally, if you're like me, you've probably had maybe this experience, but I will uh, 
decide, okay, I want to have a quiet time or a devotional. And I'll, maybe I'll set my alarm and I'll get up early in the morning or I'll, I'll cut some time out later in the day. And I'll go in, say, to my office or the living room, wherever, and I'll sit down and have my Bible and I'll open it up and, and I'll be like, oh, there's a crack on the wall over there. I hadn't noticed that before. And, oh my goodness, my kid's stuff are all over the, that side of the room and I got to clean that up. And, oh my gosh, I just remembered. I think it might be trash day. Oh no, that's tomorrow. Um, everything that I've been avoiding thinking about suddenly comes into my mind. Even things I don't really want to think about sometimes. And uh, distraction, right? So we have this thing where we're like, all right, I am seeking God, and suddenly I'm feeling particularly distracted. Everything is suddenly in my mind. There's a story from Scripture in Luke 10. I'll put this up on the screen, but uh, see if you can, can resonate with this. This is another side of distraction. Now, as they went on their way, they being Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. One thing is needed. Now, many of you, if you've been in church, have heard this preached on multiple times, and we're not going to go diving all the way into it, but remember that, okay? One thing is needed. Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. She chose what, what he calls the good portion. And Martha, she's preparing a meal. She's preparing to feed all these folks. It is not a bad thing. But there's something even better. Listen to Psalm 119. How can a young person, or I would say any aged person, stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, Moment of honesty here. Who really feels like they delight in following God's statutes as one rejoices in great riches? Who loves meditating on the precepts of God? Like these words for me don't necessarily draw up this sense of like, I do love meditating on those precepts. Um, Maybe it's just because it's language I don't use. But I think we can sometimes be distracted by what we see as the hurdles to reach God. We're walking towards Zion. Come, bless the Lord. And we find that there is actually life in God's word. That there is actually life with God. Life abundantly. 
And so one challenge I have for you this morning is if, if you have struggled to meet God in Scripture, there may be other ways for you to dive into Scripture. I, in my younger 20s, um, I grew up in the church, and I, I felt kind of burnt out with, like, striving, I guess, because I'm a striver. I want to I wanna be good. I want to get stuff done. And I just realized, like, I don't feel like I'm meeting God in Scripture at all, so I'm just going to stop. And I kind of stopped reading the Bible, which is terrible. I shouldn't be a pastor, but <laughs> I did. And I thought, I don't feel like I meet God in, in his word. And then this like, moment came uh, over a, a few years where I, you know, I had taken in a lot of scripture growing up. And so like all those promises from God, I realized, oh, there's life in that. And then I would be reading something or something in scripture would pop out at me and I would just like meditate on it. I would, I, not intentionally, I used to landscape and I'd be out on a lawnmower mowing and I would just be thinking about this scripture. And, you know, the Lord lift up, be the lifter of your head from Psalm 3. And I'd be like, I can't get it out of my head. After a time, I realized I do meet God in scripture. Just not all the ways that I think I had been trained to. And so God's word, God's presence, this walk to Zion, to the place where God dwells, these are places of life. And we do not want to be distracted. So, let's not be distracted. Try really hard, right? Now, here's the thing too. It's impossible, I think, to do this on your own. So you just have to invite God into it. And I find that if I'm striving, I'm not in my best place. I don't mean striving to love God or serve God, but I'm saying if I'm trying to do stuff by my own energy, it is often draining. So if God is calling us to come, bless the Lord, then I would say we say, God, help us to come and bless you. So let's dive into this psalm. Verse 1, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Seems pretty simple. There's this imperative to bless that frames this entire psalm. Come, bless the Lord. Come, bless the Lord. Now, what's interesting about this is the word bless, it literally means kneel. And it's translated in different ways. But it means to kneel before God. And so, um, Brian, there, can you come up for a second? Hey, I didn't warn him about this, so give him a, uh, a warm welcome. Um, now, I want you to just stand right here. Yep, that's good. And I want to ask you guys, what you see happening. What does this indicate if I were to get down and kneel before Brian? Worshiping, anything else? Praising, honoring, what about humbling? What if, what if Brian had a crown on his head? 
And he was a monarch. He was a king, and I was sitting before him. I'm begging for mercy, right? Now, downtown this morning, someone said, uh, proposing. <laughs> I was like, that was not what I intended. <laughs> but there's something powerful about me kneeling, right, before him. It, it's a, a posture of humility. It's a posture of saying, you are over me right now. It's a, you know, it's awkward if, if I'm doing this on stage, right? And yet there's something palpable and powerful about kneeling before someone. Thank you, sir. There's this sense of humbling ourselves before God when we kneel before God, when we come and bless the Lord. There's a sense of paying homage or supplicating before God. But as we see in a, in a minute in verse 2, there's also this sense of praising and honoring God, which you mentioned, or worshiping. Now, this psalm is, is directed at people. It says, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve by night in the house of the Lord. And essentially, the framing of this, best I can tell, for our context, would just be those who love and serve God. If you consider God to be your God, this is for you. Come, bless the Lord. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And who are we kneeling before? God, the maker of heaven and earth. That's what uh, verse 3 says. From Zion. So there's this sense of distance, right, of us being down and God being up there, and we say, come bless the Lord. Now, I want to say that when we kneel before God, we don't do that as those who are only seeking to avoid punishment. If that is how you interpret this scripture, I would imagine it is not very life-giving. Come kneel before God, you know. Tell me you're sorry. I don't think that's what God is saying. It's not just us seeking mercy, though of course God invites us to that. Rather, we kneel before a God who loves us. We kneel before a God who gives us grace, a God who sent his son. We kneel before a God to receive blessing. Now, there's another way of, of kneeling before someone that uh, I think is, is kind of beautiful, which is uh, I'll share a brief story that I've helped with the, the Alpha uh, program and ministry for years, and this is this uh, new faith kind of learning about Jesus. Uh, and I had the opportunity over multiple years to go on this uh, retreat, this weekend away. And it's this time of inviting the Spirit and just asking God, and I have this friend, Pam, who is in a wheelchair, and she does not look like, you know, like she's not going to serve as like a bouncer, you know, at a bar or something like that. She's petite, and she, she's kind of frail. And yet she might be the most powerful Christian that I've ever met. And so sometimes on these retreats, I have asked her when we've had times of prayer, I have, I have knelt before her and said, can you bless me? Can you pray over me? Can you bless me? When we kneel before God, when we come and bless the Lord, 
We're kneeling before God and saying, pour out your blessings on me, God. Everything you have, I want it. I want to be anointed. I want to be covered. I want to be filled. Now, verse 2 says this. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. When we're blessing God, when we're kneeling before God, it is not just this place of supplication and this place of, of humbling ourselves, but there's this place of throwing our hands in the air and saying, I'm coming to bless the Lord. I love God. I want to celebrate what God is doing. I, I'm not hiding from God. I'm giving my all. And that's where I'm going to leave that, because that's pretty simple. But verse 3, for me, verse 3 is the most striking verse. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. May the Lord bless you. This is the same word. This is the same Hebrew word. Or kneel. Is that interesting? Come, kneel before God. May the Lord kneel before you. Now, before you uh, carry me out of here for being heretical, I want you to realize that there is a mutual blessing that's taking place in this scripture. That not only are we being called to come and bless, but there's a promise that God will bless us. Where do we see God kneel before us? Not to praise us, but to bless us. Where do we see that in Scripture? Well, one time in, uh, in Matthew 26, Jesus was in Bethany. He was reclining at a table with, with his friends eating, and, and a woman brought in expensive perfume. And what did she do? She poured it all over him. She poured it all over him. She anointed him. She blessed him. Jesus was blessed by this woman. Think about the, uh, the Last Supper. Later on, as, as Tommy mentioned, we're going to take communion. We're going to remember when he uh, talked about his body and the blood. And... But what happened before that, during this Last Supper? He got down. He took a towel and water, and he got down, he kneeled, he washed his disciples' feet. An incredibly humbling act, something only a servant would do. But think about an even more humbling act. Jesus, enthroned in Zion, up high, lifted up, the king leaves his throne and comes to the world, born as a human, fully human, walks among us. That's humbling, right? Not only that, he dies death. He dies a shameful death on a cross. He takes all the sin, gives us all the blessing, all the grace. Jesus is such an example of God kneeling before and blessing us. So is this blessing some way of approaching someone who, who is angry and coming and saying, I want a, 
appease you. I want to I please you. Is that what we see? I would say no. I think this is the blessing of a child to their parent. Or for those grandparents here, think about your grandson or your granddaughter running up and jumping in your lap. You're not like, oh, get away from me, little child. No, it is a blessing. You're like, I love it. It, it, it hits us right in our heart, right? When we come and bless God and we, we lift our hands up and we say, God, we love you. God, we praise you. Sure, it's not complete. Sure, we're, our lives are a mess. But God is blessed by it. He's honored by it. He cherishes it. Come, bless the Lord. The invitation from God is always made with love. There have been times I felt like I can't come and bless the Lord. I feel like, I, how can I come and bless you? I'm too much of a mess. But God says, I see everything that you are. And I continually invite you to come and bless me. The invitation from God is to approach Zion, to approach this place where he dwells, except it's not there, it's here. It's his throne of grace that God invites us to receive mercy and help in our time of need. Come bless the Lord. It's an invitation made by a God who, like the father in the the prodigal son story runs out and throws his arm around us and says, I have been waiting for you to come home. That's the God who invites us to bless him. Come, bless the Lord. Lift up your hands and bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And God wants to bless you. I invite the worship team to come back up. I want to invite you to remember that this song is the final song of ascent. Come, do what you're here to do. Don't be distracted. Don't forget. This journey was not for nothing. A lot of times, and I, I don't remember if I already said this, but I think when we're journeying somewhere, we lose sight of where we're journeying. And we get so distracted by the road in front of us. And the reality is the road is not easy. I know for some of you this morning, you would say, no, the road is not easy. The road is incredibly hard for me. That's life. but I don't want us to get so focused on those problems that are in front of us that we forget. We have a destination, a throne of grace, a God who loves us. As we approach Zion, God's holy mountain, as we pilgrim together, I want to remind us what the writer of Hebrews says about God's holy mountain. This is from Hebrews 12. And think of this as approaching God, all right? You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, 
and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. You have not come to that mountain, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Amen. We have come to God, not so that we can be like held off at a distance or so that we can come and say, well, will you accept me, God? Will you? God says, I have already accepted you. My son, Jesus, his blood speaks a better word, a word of love, a word of acceptance, a word of life. So that's the beauty in this psalm. It's so simple. For us, when we approach Zion in our hearts, when we come to God, anytime we look to God and we seek him out, he is waiting. He says, come, bless the Lord. And I, God, want to bless you. That, that's a beautiful promise. So let's do that now. Let's do what we came here to do, right? To come and bless the Lord. We're going to take communion, and unlike maybe normal weeks, I want to invite you that over the next song, as the worship team leads us, when it feels right, take that bread. Remember Jesus' body that was broken for you. Drink the cup and remember that his blood, the blood of the new covenant, speaks a better word, a word that says, welcome. You are welcome because I love you. So why don't you stand?